us and the NIM shifts were focused clear on each other, knowing that it were that moment that would determine the course of both of our ambitions. But as our eyes locked, the city left. The hole that is embraced pulled us down and that moment were gone. Struggle to ever quite do justice to what happened then, that day and what I saw. I have my reading and I've done plenty more since, but well, ask me to talk about history and politics and you'll be stuck listening for hours. Ask me to talk about the forces that shape our world and my tongue's still. Instead, I place my faith in others' interpretations and what they say happened. A new remnant were born in embrace that day. The lodge ceased to be and that new thing became. What I saw though, I can only speak with my own words, though I know their limits. I were there on that ground as a very reality were altered. It's like describing a storm. Ask one person and they'll focus on the heavy rain and the lashing thunder. Ask another and it'll be about the gathering, the clouds, the anticipation, the headache, the release, the riot. Perception and interpretation both count for so much. But I were there when my feet stood on Hinter Ward Brick. And in that moment at its plainest, it was like watching a forest erupt for the stone and cobble of the streets. The streets welcomed roots that tapped and slaked through homes and courtyards and lanes that had been built in the shadow of Riddell's tail. And as they found and latched, they took and they remade and they recast. Hinterward was made into a new reel as roots grasped and folded and the streets themselves twisted around us. A destruction and a kind of preservation both. Our new geography would find forgotten corner, cherished memory and the implacable present all wove together. Meanwhile, the growth spread upwards, a canopy that glistened to look at every rigid turn of route in the way of the bismuth beneath fuller colour, except it weren't light catching or the bright reflection of metal. Instead, it was that with each turn of your head, each flick of your eyes, your mind welcomed a dozen new realities. And beneath our feet, a great trunk Welcome to these Swimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz. You can find me on Twitter at Games. Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore Mihalik. And Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at @tdixon. And as always, you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. Uh, you can find links to our discords there and on the website, which is flimsyrituals.com. 
And we have a Patreon. So if you like the show and want to kick some cash our way, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash... Oh, I was hoping someone would fill that in because I can never remember which one that slash is. Slash these flimsy rituals. These flimsy rituals. Cool. As usual, we're playing and continuing our game of Blades in the Dark today by John Harper. And as always, the music is by Kai Engel. Observant listeners might have noticed that Steve isn't here today. He couldn't make it to this recording, so we're just going to go ahead without him. I think we'll do a recap uh, about where everyone is and what everyone's doing, but we should start with Ash, because I think the last time we saw Ash, he was with Karnim Dacre and a few others um, at the heart of Rodella, beneath the Jackal compound and within the cut. And I think we saw him set the heart of Rodella ablaze, eat a bit of like the heart so i guess ash is now sort of officially semi-officially a jackal and i think the last time we saw him was him collapsing and then being carried in Karnim Dacre's arms so i think we're gonna leave him there for this episode and then we will welcome him back next episode when when the plot has kind of caught up to where he is what about everyone else what was what has everyone else been up to can you remember where your characters are since we last recorded I remember Oaken made a bad decision. Can't remember exactly what kind. You won't narrow it down any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Oaken was heading to the goal. Yeah, yeah, because you had the option either between going to like the stadium where the Nimshif like headquarters were, or going to the barricades and helping like Ezra and Ivar and everyone else, or going to the goal to protect that. And I guess a good thing to remind everyone of is everyone has kind of currently got a very awful alarm ringing through their heads. Nia, can you remember how we described that alarm? The way I'm imagining it, I don't remember what we said, but the way I'm imagining it is it's like a piece of you is somewhere else and it's mm. like s- s- calling for you to like reunite, like kind of like, yeah, like, like that tugging of spirit, that tugging of thread. But like amplified to a scream, right? I think yeah. was the was the uh, description almost. Um, can we remember where Nia was? Uh, Nia was totally fine and not um, collapsing and finding. I think, I think it's where Nia's going to be, mm. uh, which I believe is going to be somewhere washed up on a beach with Crick and Altara, the best of dinner parties. Yes, yeah, so I think the last time we saw you was on the ship as that exploded and unconscious there. And Ezra and Ivar, I think you were sort of very definitely in a way together. Yeah, maybe in in more ways than we would like for that Mm. to be true. We're at the barricades. Several of us who are us are at the barricades. I am with me and me. And also Ivar. And another Ivar. Nothing can go wrong when you've split yourself into many parts. I don't think that can go wrong ever. Yeah, it definitely can't go wrong, and I don't have a new trauma based exactly on that happening. Oh, yeah. I think three people took trauma last time. Did we want to quickly go over what people have taken? Yeah, sure. I took haunted, but as haunting. (laughs) I am the haunter. Uh, so we modified the text to be you're often outside yourself, reliving another's life or seeing things, which is fine. It's fine. This is fine. 
love the idea of just Ezra picking up pieces of themselves after this if they get through this okay. I'm not sure if I'm misremembering, but wasn't it that, that Ezra now has Ivar's memories? That Yes, that is a possibility. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's um just like a bit of bleed, essentially, from being in the machines together. It's probably a bit hard to untangle completely. Mm, that makes sense. And, and Nia, you also took a trauma? Kind of interested in Obsessed having to do with Bakhtiv Dane. Oh, Okay, yep. (laughs) I love it. Just thinking, like, in these these kind of final moments of, like, how do we play this? Mm. Like, what is Nia clinging to when, say, wake up and Altara and Crick are there and this is all going so horribly wrong? What does, say, like, kind of grab onto? Yep. And I thought that might might be interesting that, say, just kind of become obsessed with uh, Bakhtif's Danes, like like all of that ideology, like that becomes yeah. their guiding point. So it's like the ideas of Bakhtif Dane, not necessarily the person, or is it both? I think both. I don't think okay. Nia's separated them. Okay, yep. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I like how it kind of dovetails into like the story we've been telling about Nia already. Yeah. Just to weigh into that trauma, because I, I've had a thing I want to do with Nia uh, for a little bit. Like, let's let's start with Nia, and then we can move on to, like, the other bits after that. The last time we saw Nia, say, were blacking out. I think we have, like, this moment where Nia is flitting between, like, moments and dreams as, as they come to on the beach. Is there anything... Is that you think Nia sees here? Is there anything that is playing on Nia's mind? Well, I guess throughout all of these kind of like moments and dreams, they'll be weaved in through that, that spirit screaming. Oh, yeah. So it's not really, this isn't really a moment, but it's more like whatever emotions or experiences these memories have, I think is kind of blown a little bit out of proportion and heightened. Because of that experience. Yeah. And I wonder whether, like, some of what we see is Nia within the Winter's Lodge and, like, Sam setting things up, almost, because so much of that screaming brings you back there. You're being pulled back there, so maybe your memories kind of stick to the Winter's Lodge, right? Yeah, I could see that. What What do you focus on? What? Is there anything that, like, Nia was doing to prepare for what they have to do now? Or what they're planning to do, presumably? Which, to make it clear, are, are they planning to work with Altara? I think they were planning to. I don't know if in this moment that's going to be what happens. But I think yeah. they were planning to, and we're probably setting up plans for this moment. Not exactly how it's going right now, but, like, certain people being brought in and influenced. Yeah. Or influencing. Do, do, do we see, like, bits of memories about you recruiting members of the Trusted or laying some of these spirit wards in different places? And Yeah, and like, bits of conversations with Ido, probably some awkward, like, trying not to let 
other people know. Mm, like yeah. working on like the other wards with other people and trying to like, oh, no, look, this is fine. Don't look at this, but it's okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or trying to get like other members of the trust is like, no, no, you that like this bit's actually secret. I think as you come to, I, I, I want to like give you a memory. And I think it's up to you whether this is a conversation you actually had or whether it is something that Nia is dreaming about, if that makes sense. I think it coalesces on the face of Boktiv Dane, and you're sat across from him in that kind of shared communal space um, where like people were eating and drinking within the Winter's Lodge. Maybe there are like, some small like alcoves that you can sit in in like, a private way. And he's talking about the Nimshifts. And you hear him say, it's not that they're not right, you know. You understand that, right? They have diagnosed what is wrong with the city perfectly. The council. That way of governing ourselves. It only leads to corruption. It only leads to rotten boroughs. It only leads to people doing whatever it takes to get their friends elected. It leads to weakness within our city's governance. If what we're building is for the people of the city, we need to make sure that they are led well. That that corruption can't infect what we're doing. I don't want to work with the Nimshifts. They're exactly the wrong people in so many ways to rule this city, but their style of leadership, finding our own version of valour, is what we need. And I think you know, as well as I do, who that person is. Oh no... <laughs> How is Nia feeling as they see this like bit of dream or memory? And do we do you think it's a dream or a memory? I think Nia's certain to memory that I imagine that there's a couple of those where Nia and Bakhtiv had face to face conversations in these memories. I don't know how much that is true because mainly that was, it was just Nia writing letters and go and fangirling a bit. <laughs> I can definitely see a situation where like Boktiv would have met up with Nia, right? Yeah, I think we, I think that happened a couple times, but I think not as many as Nia's remembering right now. I imagine Nia's feeling a bit certain. Which I don't, I don't think that's an, an emotion I've had for Nia a whole lot. There's been a lot of like trying to be helpful or rebelling without any real reason or doing something because Sarah in love with someone for some reason. But I think Nia's feeling certain that Boktiv is right and what's happening right now is only just proving it. Mm. Like there's so much chaos and you can't be led by committee and I don't know, other terrible, terrible oh, Nia. Out of curiosity, when Boktiv is talking about, we both know who who that is, who does Nia think it is? Not Oaken. Okay. Definitely not Oaken. Nia knows Oaken, not yeah. as like a figurehead, like fancy person, mm. but as someone who looks really good in fancy clothes, sort of, maybe. Mm -hmm. Nia does Nia does her best 
<laughs> he sure has a body you can put clothes on. <laughs> Fancy clothes that Nia has made. I don't. I don't think Nia sees that potential there. Mm. So I don't know if Nia's thinking Boktiv or himself. Yeah, it's very funny because like it's not how Boktiv would talk in terms of like, oh yeah, we both know who that is. I don't think Boktiv would talk that way to refer to himself because I don't think like he's got arrogance, but he's not that kind of arrogant. But it's exactly how Nia would be arrogant about himself. Yep. Like, oh, we 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 both know. We both know it's me. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> I'm talking about me here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if Nia's certain, but I think Nia thinks it's either Boktiv or Sam. <laughs> we both know who that is, and Nia just like vigorously nodding, like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. definitely know. Yep. Yeah, just out of curiosity, you know. though, for asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> who, who is it? <laughs> is is there anything else you dream about, or or do we wake up after that? I think we can close on that. Mm. I mean, we could try and give Nia some kind of like redeeming memory, but I don't think that's going to really happen at this point. No. I think maybe what happens is I just have this image of the dream being you talking to Boktiv, having this memory, like, his face very clearly in front of you, and then you're waking up, and there is a face above yours, and replacing, like, the face of Boktiv is the face of Crick. Nia. Nia, you alright? Wake up, you're, you, you okay? No, I don't, probably, I don't, what happened? You hear, like, another cold voice from somewhere, like, behind and to the side of Crick. Just be like, say awake finally. And, like, Crick is moved to one side. And Altara is stood towering over you. Can you stand? Yes. Why are you... You both. What? I think as you glance between, like, Altara and Crick, Crick is looking very sheepish. I'm trying to imagine, like, what his nervous reaction is. Is it like he's, like, stroking the horn of his nose or something? Just like, listen, you you know how it is, right? You know how it is. Right. You, you, you can't get mad at me. You're, you're working with her, too. I want my man to stay out of jail this time. Altara's just like, are you done? Nia's standing up, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we're done. Crick! Yeah. Adam! Crick! <laughs> Crick is looking like very sheepish and shy, obviously. But yeah, <sighs> Crick is here with Altara. Um, told you. I yeah. told you. <laughs> Nia's not really so surprised. Like, hurt. Mm. But at, in this exact moment, like, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I think at, as you stand up, you realize that you're on. On a small little beach, I imagine it's sort of made up of sort of weird turquoise yellow sand. And you can see Altara stand in front of you, crick to one side, uh, like leaning on a glider, looking really, really awkward and out of place. And stood around the beach, you can see the Nimshif Honor Guard. There's maybe like half a dozen of those. And you can also see like some of the Pale Lanterns. And I think backgrounding the shot of the beach, you can see the wire behind you not burning, but like fading as you see these flashes of like the lanterns light up and the plants and trees wither in the face of them. And you can see like all of this bit of fleshwood is just being destroyed. 
as we have this conversation. Is the trap set? Yes, yes, yes. It's all it's all set. I mean, I can't control Oaken, but it seems to be working, so. No, I'm working with you because you can control Oaken. As far as I know. I haven't I don't have confirmation yet. As soon as he enters, I will know. But everything is ready and he should be on the way. I know Oaken. He will go there. As you say. So, if everything's ready, lead us in. You said you knew a way? She indicates to her troops and, like, the boats on the shore. Are we really planning to bring this many people in? I don't think it will pose us any difficulties. Do you? And, like, she looks a little unsure there, I think. There's a glance to, to the amount of people, but, like, she, she's definitely trying to, like, keep control of this situation. I don't... I don't think it would be ideal, but it's it's your choice. We're gonna we go this way. I, I think she looks around and, and says, "Okay, we'll take two boats," and like basically indicates to I think four of her soldiers and two of the pale lanterns to follow her, and then there's Crick, and then there's you, obviously. Why is Crick coming? I think maybe like Crick looks like he's going to stay, and then like Altara orders him to come, and yeah, he's coming. What use will he be? Is that he's already done your work. At the end of the day, it might help to have someone around to keep your loyalties. I think you're grossly overestimating how much loyalty I feel towards him right now, but that's okay. Tara shrugs. Enough talk. And yeah, she, she starts to like walk to the boats and I think the soldiers start to get in. Are you leading them into the Winter's Lodge? Yeah, yeah, I am. Sure. That seems like a great plan. And that's what <laughs> Nia's doing. Can't see any flaws. There's lots of space for flashbacks, right? Like, there's definitely space for, like, the trusted to help once Altara's in there. Like, having Altara in there is a good place for, to trap Altara yeah, to some degree. Yeah, I kind of figure at this point, this is, like, possibly a double trap. I've gotten rid of some of the soldiers. There's lots of place for for stuff to happen yeah. both ways. It could, it could go any way yeah. at this point. Let's try to have some some nice things. I think we close on a shot of like these two small rowboats working their way across the royal towards the Winter's Lodge. Um, maybe pulling up to that small little cave jetty we found, and we see some like ropes being tied, and the soldiers and Altara and Crick and Nia unloading into the caves below Winter's Lodge. Good. Who would like to go next? Did, did we want to do some Oaken, since the Winter's Lodge seems to be our focus? Yeah, go on then. So last time we saw you, you had made the decision to, like, come over to the Winter's Lodge. I think you, you kind of reach it fairly easily. Like, there's maybe a few people in your way, but you're Oaken. Let's not dwell <laughs> on that. What are you doing when you reach it? Are you, are you heading straight for the goal? Yeah, straight there. Maybe, like, clambering up the outside rather than going the inside <laughs> yeah oh i guess it's really weird because i imagine it's almost as if like you jump and clamber up the outside and because the winter's lodge is the winter's lodge and sort of reforms a bit and reforms around oaken like you jump on like a balcony on the outside and just open a door and you're right where the goal is yeah 
So yeah, I think you arrive in this room with the goal, which, as a reminder, you planted it in this like outdoor space, right? Yeah, it was it was kind of an outdoor space within a room. Yeah, like a cloister of a small hill on the top. And have you been back since you planted it? I can't remember. No, mm, no I don't okay. think I have. I've not checked on it. Okay, so you see for the first time this tree that has grown here. And as a reminder, it's like almost as if it's been inverted. So like the roots are kind of growing at the top and the tree is growing downwards. And I think the roots that are growing upwards have shaped and arrayed like a labyrinth. They're just these like curves and like straight edges, a bit like bismuth, like forming out, but also this mix between like a rhizome and roots and bismuth and labyrinth. And those have really spread. If you imagine like a cloister with a small hill in the middle of it is how it was when you last saw it. The roots have overtaken everywhere here. It's like walking oh. into like a forest of of these things. And they've reached out and hit like the edges of the cloister, which are like stone and have like different bits of decoration on. But they've started like just busting through those bits of stone and cracking it and growing through it. So, like, the roots just seem to extend beyond this space now. When Oaken planted the gall, yeah. I think to him, it wasn't planting it, it was hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So to see this is probably quite a shock. Yes, I imagine so. <laughs> so, oh, oh. <laughs> I will hide this oh. thing underground and no one will know it's here. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I think there is also this tree growing downwards as well, into the hill. So, like, you can see it through the hill, if that makes sense. Ooh. It's not quite transparent. It doesn't make the things around it transparent, but it's like it's glowing through whatever material is there to be visible. Hmm. Does anyone have, like, any suggestions for what this tree is like? Is it tree like tree like like a, a, an oak or like um, like a eucalyptus or something like that? Is it weirder, like all of the fleshwood trees? Is it a bit like um, a load of axolotl frills, maybe? Imagine if you had, like, a big eucalyptus tree, which are, like, really tall and, like, have, like, a big canopy at the top, if I'm remembering my trees right. And imagine if the canopy at the top was, instead of leaves and branches, was, like, these frilly, like, appendages that glow and uh, are lit up, a bit like we saw with the very first festival in the Ground Itself game. Like, those kind of, like, vibrant buds that are glowing. But, like, the entire tree is growing in that way. You know when you coppice trees and the, the, mm. the older they get, like, the weirder and gnarlier and, like, bulgier they get? I'm kind of imagining it a bit like that yeah. as well. Just like... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, do you know, like, when you get a branch and they all kind of, like, grow in rows? It's, like, lots of that sort of stuff as well. So it's, like, lots of different canopies at different heights. And I think almost the image you get as you look down at these trees growing... It's almost like creating its own like little woods and it's creating this big broad canopy at the top. And I think the word that is in your head is like almost like a barrier. Like the canopy seems to be a barrier for like whatever is beyond it. So yeah. Oh, can you enter into this space? Uh, how is Oaken feeling? What What is on his mind right now? I think he's completely overwhelmed. I think he's got like maybe some guilt over not going to help people. Mm. Which is a big step for him. <laughs> yeah. It's at least feeling that. Um, I think there's this 
because he's such a prideful person, obviously that comes with massive insecurity. So I think there's this horrible fear of like, what did I do? What have I done? Why is it like this? Have I ruined everything? Mm, yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know whether this is like something that is instinctual because of your training or instinctual because of the fact that you're are a jackal and you ate a bit of Rodella's heart. But I think you, like the word that comes in your head is remnant as you see this. There's just something Ooh. about this that just tells you like this is a remnant or something like it. Hmm. Interesting. I think you don't necessarily get too long to dwell on it though. I mean, as you enter this room, there's obviously like still the screaming sound in the back of your head. Does that stop ever, Nia? Like, does it stop now that Oaken is back here? I think it does. Um, but I mm. think it kind of there's like a momentary like twinge, which is also like the the warning thing where Nia now knows that Oaken's there. And then it goes quiet. Okay, yeah. And I think as you enter the space and as you're trying to take all of this in and weigh the enormity of it all, you notice that the roots start to like undulate and rustle. And like there's this great rustling sound in the space. And you can see it like as you look down, like the trees below seem to be swaying a bit. And you get the sense that like something is wrong. Can I walk up to it and put my hand on it? Yeah. Uh, do, do you, like, put your hand on, like, one of the roots, which I guess are everywhere, or do you, like, go to the to the heart of this thing? The heart. Okay, yeah. Have, have we spoken about how the goal communicates? It's, like, images, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's like, very dreamlike images. The image that, like, goes through your head doesn't coalesce into anything. It's almost as if you're just sent a mood and, like, a flash of red. It's almost as if it's saying, watch out. The same way that someone would say, like, duck to you. Right. Does Oaken duck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think something hisses over your head <gasps> and, like, cracks into one of the roots. And you hear a crack as, like, a bit of it drops off and is sliced clean through. <gasps> I think as you turn around, you see in the door that you entered in uh, is Micaiah Stave, uh, one of the Death's Defiant. Uh, Micaiah, as a reminder, is, like, the, the shadowy ghost cowboy that you met in the cut or at least Ivar did and you you see him like holding a pistol having just missed you and you see another couple of the deaths defiant like behind him and you sense that that isn't the limit of the people that are in here <sighs> okay Micaiah like looks at you uneasy like he, he'd hoped that like that shot would have just dealt with you and he looks a bit uneasy and, he, and like sort of lowers his pistol a little bit and is like now this this doesn't have to come to bloodshed. You can walk away right here and now and just leave us to do what is necessary with this thing. Is is the goal within the tree or is the goal now the tree? A question I had not considered. Um, I think <laughs> the goal is now the tree? I don't know. It occurs to me that like the way the goal communicates with Oaken with this kind of imagery in this kind of way is probably like Oaken is so bad at communicating with people and at communicating with words mm. and I think 
the way the goal communicates with him probably feels incredibly natural now. Yeah. And it's a lot easier for him in a lot of ways. Yeah. So him putting his hand on it was just like checking in, talking to it kind of thing. And I think the, the, the glimpse you get is probably of, you get like a feeling as if you are part of the goal. But, like, the specific feeling is you can feel the part of the root that was just snapped off by this pistol shot, oh. like, regrowing. Okay. What do you do? <laughs> I think the only thing to do is stand and fight. Yeah. You know? And I think I can also say that, like, I've never been one to run away from a fight, even though it definitely has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you start to say that, Micaiah fires another shot. Does it hit Oaken, or does he manage to get away? Shall we roll for it? Shall we let fate decide? We can roll for it, yeah. What What is the action that Oaken is taking? Is he, like, rushing Micaiah, or is he doing something else? No, he's definitely not rushing this time. Mm. Um, he's For once, he's not fighting for the glory of fighting. He's fighting to protect <laughs> something. Yeah. I think, like, if he had time, he he might even do some, like... Not the jackal rituals, but a kind of ritual is like a self-soothing, getting ready kind of thing. Mm. But I think he's definitely more calm and like preparing himself and assessing. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I want to like stress for this room is like, it's quite a big space, I imagine. And it's just like filled with these roots. It's a bit like being in a forest. So there's definitely space if you want to, to be like a bit dodgy or like hiding a bit. Yeah, I think that'll be the thing. <laughs> and even, like, the roots moving around you as you do that is quite interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's a bit like the way the Winter's Lodge moves around Oak and the roots mm. can kind of help him. But I thought maybe maybe a tune would be a good one. Yeah. You know, like, I'm getting in touch with the goal and feeling these intruders within the space, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Is it just risky standard? Yeah, I think this is risky standard. Um, what is it that we want out of this? It's almost like trying to reach a controlled position, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting of it. Of like, I can I can attune this, and then I'm just fighting it controlled, because you know I I am leading this space with the goal. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it'd be two dice as standard. I could I can pitch you a devil's bargain if you want one. No, I don't think I'll take one for this. Uh, the devil's bargain is uh, the goal is going to get riled up. Like, the goal is ready to fight. Oh, but that's cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. Gives you an extra dice. Okay, let's go for it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A three, a five, and a one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what does this look like as Oaken, like, slinks into the into these roots and... and does a, a tiny ritual for himself. I think it it's very slow. It's very slow and very controlled, and it's kind of stepping backwards through the roots as they move around him. Yeah. I'm trying to think, because you're on a five on a risky, it's you do it, but as a consequence, you suffer harm, a complication occurs, you have reduced effect, uh, or you end up in a desperate position. I, I think the idea I like is... This kind of happens, and you, you slip away into these roots, and you can hear these people looking for you. I think as you're moving around, you probably get a good sense of who is in this room, and it, it seems like most of the Death's Defiant are here. 
mm. including I imagine you see Mikhail Stave wandering around and he's probably calling you out almost like shouting for you like Oaken we don't have to do this come <laughs> out um, and just like ordering people to look for you and you also see like a flash of Winter's Yawl at the very edge of this room weighing things up seems to be doing something with like the edges of the roots of the tree Uh-oh. and I think the complication here that you see is you see the big like shifting almost like disparate form of winter's yawl fold itself beneath the ground and you see it mirrored into like the tree that is below the ground oh. it's like they've stepped through into like this oh. sort of paralleled world shit that's very scary mm. and say start to climb up the tree mm. but yeah you're in a control position here uh so you can fairly easily start to deal with the people on this side or you could try and go through like either either is up to you i think i need to go through right i either need mm. to go through or cause a distraction but i don't think anything i can do will be enough of a distraction yeah because you're in a control position, I think going through is fine for you. Has Oaken started to, like, pick people off yet? Or is it just you decide not to take this fight? Um, oh, I, against every instinct, I'm not going to take the fight. Mm. I'm going to go straight through. Yeah, I think there's maybe a point where, like, you reach the sort of knotty trunk of these roots. And it's almost as if, like the tree opens up for you and you step inside that bit and like that's how you go through to the other side of this and you find yourself in a space something like the cut that isn't the cut if that makes sense Mm. like this weird mirror world with this huge tree or collection of trees very tall above you and i think you realize as like you look at yourself that there's only a part of you here, like only the spirit part of you is here. Right. Which I don't know if that's a weird experience. I imagine it is. Yeah, I'd say so. And you can see Winter's Yawl climbing like the central branch of these trees above you. Are you following? I would like to, if I can, throw my spear at some. Okay. Yeah. Are you using the, like your astral blade to infuse it with remnant energy, or are you just rolling? Yeah, I'll, I'll use the astral blade, which mm. is spend two stress to infuse a weapon with remnant energy. Oh god, I I just imagine. Didn't we say like you're slowly becoming more attached to Mel and slowly becoming more attached to the Gaul? Is it just like a mix between? this sort of translucent honey that we've seen of Mel for the spear and also, like, the glowing of the tree just rippling down the spear. That was so cool. That was such a good mental image. This kind of, like, straight-out-the-forge-looking type thing. Yeah. And I imagine, like, this entire space is, like, how I'd imagine a spirit world in, like, mythology, if that makes sense. Everything looks a bit floaty and weird. It's not, like, Oaken, who looks normal, like Oaken stood there. It's like, what if Oaken was a demigod stood there? <laughs> I mean, normal's a bit of a stretch, maybe, yeah. but mostly normal. What does Oaken's spirit look like? I don't think he would have a very beautiful spirit. 
I don't think he's a person with a beautiful spirit. I think maybe it's like a bit more animalistic. Okay, spirit just having like horrible possum ferret vibes, just mm. like neatly little teeth. Oh and... yeah, like he'd want it to be you know that big jackal, but instead it's like a little like a mongoose just hissing. Yeah, fucking chihuahua. <laughs> Does he still have like his extra arm in the spirit form? Yeah, and I think it's um, flesh in spirit form. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's weird and good. Is the rest of him, like, honey-ish? Hmm. Or is it, like, a blend of that and whatever Oaken is? I think maybe there's almost, like, a kind of a shell mm. of flesh with, like, honey on the inside. <laughs> yep. We sure do say some things on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're you're pushing yourself. You're throwing this javelin. What would you like to roll for this? Um, I guess skirmish would be most appropriate. Yeah, skirmish opponent in close combat, assault or hold a position, brawl and wrestle. Oh wait, that's I don't know if this counts as close. Hmm. In my mind, this was going to function as a harpoon. Okay. Which I would still quite like. I would like to close the distance, basically. Yeah. And stop them going forward. I can see it also being in a tune. I think we've used that a lot for your spear before, just because it yeah. does have that ability to move in the air. Yeah, and maybe it is, like, instead of just chucking it, they do take a few seconds to, like, feel it out, line it up. Hmm. Okay, what, what position? Controlled? Yeah, I think we said controlled. Yeah, so I think especially if this is uh, infused as well, I'm going to say controlled great. Nice. A five and a two. Okay, uh, so five is... You hesitate, withdraw, and try a different approach, or else deal with a minor consequence. A minor complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you suffer lesser harm, or you end up in a risky position. Okay, um, so yeah, you, you said you wanted to use this as like a harpoon? Yeah. How do you imagine that working? <laughs> Basically, I throw it, it will go through a part of their body, and then mm. I pull. Like, are you trying to, like, pull up to them, or...? I would like to pull them down to me. Hmm. Maybe that's what the complication is, then. Um, I think as you start to pull, you should be able to pull this person down. Like, you are supernaturally strong, but it seems like in this place... Either you don't quite have the same strength, or like at least Winter's Yawl has spent so long in this kind of spirit space, mm. so they're stronger than you, and you just can't pull them down. They seem latched onto the thing, and I think they start to pull you up. Huh. You know, what? I'll help them in that. I'll I'll aid them mm. by clambering up as fast as I can. Cool. Yeah. That that's the question. Do you want to end up in a risky position, or do you want to do it with a minor consequence? Yeah. I think, like, Winter's Yawl pulls you up um, and you can see, like, this big grin spread across their face as you get closer. Another not quite as ancient comes to play. We have a chance here to return to Alamaya. You will not stop me. This is everything we have waited so long for. Will you struggle... An attempt to stop me from returning the city to how it should be. Will you acquiesce and bow 
to one older and wiser than you. I've had enough of bowing to people older than wiser than me. Maybe I won't stop you, but I will try. I think Winters Yall pulls himself back, like all of the disparate edges of themselves. It's almost as if you're pulling back bits of a wave, and like the wave is about to crash forward again in that sort of like, I'm getting ready to attack. And they say, we will find out. And I think let's cut there. Should we go to Ezra and Ivar? Great. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I think last time we saw you, you had like more or less just arrived at the barricades and we'd had like this scene of all of these machines that you had created crashing forward through the Lavender Street barricades. Is that right? Yeah, and I think Ivar, original Ivar, mm. was was stood somewhere with a gun and topaz, right, like overseeing. And I had heroically and bravely passed out. <laughs> I feel like the rest of you is still somewhere. So you're still like spread between these machines and physical Ezra is out of action. Yeah. Cool. Do you have ideas of what you want to be doing here? Well, we were the cavalry, right? Yeah. We were the we were coming in to resecure the barricades and hopefully save Tails End. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of imagine that like these mixed forces of the Nimshif and the Swifts have pushed fairly heavily into like the Lovin Street barricades. I imagine you've reached a point where the outer barricades of Lovin Street have kind of been breached and like there's a second set of them and people are kind of fighting there. I imagine it is chaos at the minute. Chaos is like these Swifts push forward and people just try and hold in any way they can from the kind of onslaught. There are people running through the streets, there are people fortifying the barricades, but it's kind of this process of slowly pulling back, slowly pulling further and further back as each one is taken up and then overcome. The Swifts and the Nimshifts seem dominant. I think maybe we settle on a place where some of the likelihood lads are. We see Branch and Fleece still dressed up as the maybes stood near where like the headquarters, which is like this kind of like compoundy building. Like if you imagine like a block of flats but low, with like lots of different rooms and buildings built atop each other. And like maybe the Swifts are kind of working their way up there. Um, and they're like stood in some of the windows, throwing down rocks and firing off uh, pistol shots at the streets below. And I think what you see as you come crashing towards the scene, Ezra and Ivar, both of your spirits interfused in this machine. And please tell me what this machine is first before I go any further. What What is this machine that comes scrambling around this corner? You want a seahorse? Yeah, let's have bits of seahorse in it. I think like most of the machines are made primarily from like the functioning parts of the carousel rather than like the carved seats mm. yeah for sure so maybe it's like scraps of seahorse in between this horrible like mill of legs made <laughs> from like wood and canvas mm. just like so many more legs than was necessary yeah I, and i think like what we see is like this thing almost come like scrambling skittering around the corner that's like maybe like a story up almost like lose its footing to slide off the edge but like right itself yeah, I think it was just, like, really difficult to get the balance of the seahorse right, and I didn't have time to, like, counterweight stuff, so I was just like, just stick more legs on, it'll be fine. <laughs> and how how do you perceive in this thing? I feel like it would be through this, the spirit of the things around us. Okay, yeah. You're, like, feeling the presence of stuff here? 
Yeah, I think it's like feeling, feeling spirit. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can kind of see it because Ivar is the spirit and he can see. And Ivar has so many eyes. Ivar's got so many eyes. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe that is the way that Ivar sees, you know, like the eyes are just the representation of that. Each of these machines have like a little eye. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Either like lodged into it somewhere, floating next to it. I guess floating because it's Ivar, right? I mean, the floating next to it sounds great. You can have like third person view, (laughs) go into third person, you know, whatever you fancy. Yeah. So I think Ezra can only see what Ivar can see, probably. Cool. But yeah, I think as you round this corner onto the street, probably like leaping over the barricade and, and like skittering down, you can see French and Fleece firing down. You probably go up past some of the other likelihood lads and maybe some of the vials who are like on the barricade itself, throwing bits down towards them. Uh, but you see like a line of the Nimshiv troops with crossbows point up towards the likelihood lads. And ready for like a round of shots. What do you do? Can we just barrel straight through them? If you want to, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's skittle these. Let's skittle them. Mm. Okay. What would you like to roll to do this? Do you have a whole playbook? I, I do. I did make one just in case. Okay. It's all you, baby. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I mean, this all seems like wreck, doesn't it? Which I have yeah, nothing. it's a wreck or a skirmish, yeah. for sure. Oh, I, I could push a skirmish. I could do a skirmish. Let's do it. Uh, what kind of role is this, Adam? Risky limited. Like, I, I was thinking about, like, your machine obviously gives you some advantage here, but this is, like, a street full of Nimshift troops. Just crashing into them is going to do some damage, but, like, that doesn't stop the shots necessarily getting away. So I think risky limited, unless, you know, you want to push your help or anything like that, or take a devil's bargain. I think this is fine for now. Ryan, I just recently cleared all of my stress, so if we need to push ourselves, I'm happy to be, like, the stress mule <laughs> in this partnership. It's only one stress if you're helping. Like, this feels like a good way to, like, showcase Ezra being in this... Yeah, I will, I will help. I will push myself to help you. Okay. So does that just increase it to... Risky standard. Yeah, or you can take an extra dice. Depends what you want to do. The the, um, the difference between like limited and standard is like limited is like yeah you'll you'll plow through these but some shots will still get away, whereas standard is you'll plow through these but you will have distracted them. I think I'm using my pushing myself to help being Ezra giving Ivar the necessary information to make this thing jump. Okay. Yep. Yep. Love it. Let's make it. Let's make it standard. I think that's fine. Yeah. It's a four. Okay. Oof. So on a four, it is, you do it, but there's a consequence. You suffer harm, a complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you end up in a desperate position. Hmm. I think reduced effect is the thing that makes sense here. Um, how, how does this look? Are you, like, jumping from the top of the barricade as this thing? I was picturing it as us running at it at them full speed and then jumping on them. Yeah, I, I think you, like, crash into into this group. Um how does this thing attack? Is it just, like, knocking them over like Skittles, almost? Well, I think it's, like, jumping into their position and then, like, continuing to scurry through them, barreling through them, knocking them out of the way. Yeah. I think that's maybe it. I think because you're both focused on, like, running through them, you're not, like, being thorough, if that makes sense. I think we, we see, like, a couple of the crossbowmen manage to, like, peel off and, like, a couple of shots start to slam into the balcony. There's maybe like four or five of them. They're like taking shots and reloading. You see one of them like whistle close 
to like Brench's head and then like I think the two of them like go to like flee into the room. I think Brench manages to get in and then like you see one of them hit Fleece in the arm and pin them to the wall. What do you do? Are we gonna go get Fleece? Much to Ivar's disdain, probably, yes. <laughs> a moment of the machine wobbling in place as it's like, let's go get fleece, and I was like, ah. There's like three legs that don't want to move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like going to get them? Are you fighting these crossbowmen? Are you? Is there another machine? Let's get the crossbowmen. Nice little swipe or a or a, or a spear. Okay. Uh, this sounds like another roll. What what would you like to roll here? I mean, this still feels like a skirmish. Yeah, so, well, yeah, just skirmish on this one crossbow person. I mean, there's five of them, I think, but, yeah. Well, we've got a lot of legs. We can do a lot of kicking. Yeah. I think this is, like, risky standard. Do you want any devil's bargains or help or anything like that? I would like a devil's bargain. You get the extra dice, but at the end of this, I think a bunch of Nimshire soldiers will rush forward and, and manage to pull this machine down. Yeah, we got others. Up to you, Ivar. I think we can do this without the bargain. I believe in the machine. Okay. A five. Okay, Uh, you do it, but there's a consequence. You suffer harm, a complication occurs, you have reduced effect, you end up in a desperate position. Yeah, I think you managed to, like, shred through these soldiers. Um, I think you give time for Fleece to pull the bolt out of the wall and, like, free themselves. I'll inflict harm on the machine. I think like it gets damaged in this fighting. You don't get like pulled down by the weight of people, but you start to sense swords and axes hitting the body of this thing, and like maybe one of the legs gets cut off. Oh, the balance on it was so bad yeah. already. Maybe this will help. <laughs> yeah, and I think you face a choice. You can either like back away, and that's the way you you get out of here, or you can just plow through. Uh, maybe inflict some more damage, but I think that will be the end of this machine. Rest in peace, Seahorse Bot. Your time was so brief. Is that a joint decision? I think so. Yeah, it would be like a fight to the end sort of thing. Mm. Like literally swiping and going after them until it's literally falling apart. Yeah, I think we're both stubborn enough to, to make that decision pretty unanimously. In my head, this is how all of these mechs are going out. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I was picturing it as all of them just being absolutely ripped apart. Okay, I'm going to start a four-step clock and tick it once just as a how many machines have gone. And it's not necessarily one-to-one, if you know what I mean, but it's just like, hey, this is this is when this ends. This is when you've lost. Yeah, we're focusing on one at a time, but like in the periphery, this exact thing is happening to a bunch of others. Yeah. Cool. So, Oaken. Back to it. Yeah, let's go back to Oaken. Uh, you are face to face with uh, Winter's Yawl on like the side of this tree. It's like Oaken clinging onto the side of this branch, or is it just like you're both just stood despite like orientation? I think it's it's clinging on. I think it's horizontally would be cool, but too cool for Oaken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you're you're like clinging on to like a piece of bark that's a little bit dislodged, and like Winter's Yawl is ahead of you and. I think said just on that thing where they swept back themselves and they suddenly rush towards you. You start to see like bits of their tenuous form almost like lash out like tendrils swirling around to flank you. Uh, what is Oaken doing? This might be a very bad idea. Can I maybe like 
Because I feel like, you know, they've got this vast roiling form. Mm. My theory is that that is almost mimicking the goal, where they, they have this central point. Okay. Um. So I want to, like, take a second to see if I can figure out where that is. Okay, yeah. That sounds like like a survey, right? Yeah, that that sounds most like it. I would use a tune for absolutely everything if I could. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could also say it's a tune, because a tune is specifically ghosts. You, you get to say at the end of the day, whichever you wanted to roll. Okay. Let's go. And feel free to uh, like push yourself or take it back to Devil's Bargain if you want it. If I take two more stress, I get another trauma. Okay. Maybe not yet. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. I definitely will. Oh, a one and a five. A five is still you do it. So you're looking for like weak spots, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to word it in a more like, you know, like I'm trying to find their true self within the form kind of thing, you know, but yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a very weak spot. Yeah, I, I think it's very much that of like, there's a thing of like how ghosts work in Rhine. When a spirit is contained within a body, it has like a very cohesive form. And then like over time when you're a ghost, like you're, you, you start to have these tells and like your form starts to like fray and fade over time. And like, I think that's very clearly what has happened to Winter's Yawl. You probably see, despite how much their body stretches around, there are definitely parts of themselves still held sort of tightly at the centre. It's almost as if there's like a slightly denser point of them somewhere around like the centre of where their torso would be. And I imagine even in this sort of like spirity realm, you can almost perceive like the individual threads and how they're knotted in the body, almost like an actual knitted piece of cloth. And you can see that things are like tighter there, less loose, and the stitches are still strong and solid. At the same time, you suffer a complication, so I'm going to just go for harm here. Are you still fighting some off while you're doing this? I In my head, I wasn't. Oh, what, what do you think you're doing? I think I was literally just, like, <laughs> just standing there. Maybe okay. like kind of dodging, you know, in that very kind of small way where I'm not like throwing myself out the way. I'm just like shifting weight around. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the tendrils catches you then. They reach you as as you're taking this moment to look. So main form hasn't, but I think one of the tendrils just lashes out way ahead of the rest of Winter's Yawl in a way you're not expecting and crashes into you. And I'm going to inflict light harm, which is just going to be like dazed. And you get knocked off of this position on the tree and you start to fall. <gasps> no! You can resist either of those. I will resist getting knocked off the tree. I won't resist the getting harmed. Okay. Yeah, uh, how, how is Oaken resisting? Is it just like he catches on somewhere? Yeah, maybe. We've, we've never said that I recalled the spear. Mm. So maybe it's that, like, I can catch on to that as I'm falling. That sounds good. Like, it just appears alongside him? Yeah. Or underneath him? Yeah, yeah, the, the classic Oaken using the spear as a pull-up bar <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So it happens automatically, but then you roll um, to see how much stress you take for it. Uh-oh, okay. It sounds like it's prowess, so you'll get three dice for this. Um, and basically, you take as much stress as six minus the highest result. Okay, I got a five, a two, and a three, so 
That's one stress. Oh, <laughs> one <laughs> stress away. So close. <laughs> He's a stressy boy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the other thing that was interesting about this attack is obviously it like extended beyond where Winter's Yawl is, and you see that bit of spirit continue to fall. It almost like snaps away from Winter's Yawl's body. Ooh. Almost like when you get something fly out of a fire and just kind of float away and burn away. Like it's like that as it continues down the tree. Is it my turn to attack then? Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> Winter's Yawl is still coming towards you. What are you doing? What's your attack? I would love to use my um my jackal special ability where i oh no <laughs> wait cooking <laughs> yourself takes too stress doesn't it it really does so you can still do it yeah you know what you know let's let's get a bit more traumatized okay i can <laughs> get to push myself to move to any location on the field of battle that i can see okay i want to be directly behind them and maybe I kind of used the spear for that again. Mm. And what are you doing once you're there? I'm biting some. Yes. <laughs> so like behind them, right up close. Right behind them. Yes, okay. Okay, cool. And I'm, I'm using my mask that Ezra made me mm -hmm. to bite them. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, this sounds like a roll. What would you like to roll with? I would like to use prowl and that's ambush with close violence absolutely like a backstab, yes. so yeah yeah so i think you've seen the weakness so i'm going to give you this as risky great okay and you've also pushed yourself so you could get an extra dice or um increase that effect level even further it's up to you oh that's hard so go to extreme yeah, so I think, like, Great would inflict serious harm on Winter's Yawl, probably taking Sam out of the fight, but they might be able to get away and come back. We'll, we'll see. I think Extreme, if you do it, you kill Winter's Yawl. You end them here and now. We have not had an Extreme yet, I think. Mm. Tear this ghost apart. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I gotta do it. Oh, please. <laughs> please, dice. Five, four, and two. Okay. So on a five, you do it. Uh, so what does this look like as you tear into this ghost? Do you just appear behind it and just launch? Maybe I kind of use the spear as a distraction and in that split second, I'm behind them, mm. opening my jaws. And I think because they're a bit ethereal, I can kind of bite through some mm. and like keep on going maybe. It's like watching a dog bite right through a jelly. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just this frenzy of like movement from you. And in the same way that we saw like the bits of Winter's Yule break off before, we sort of see that. I sort of imagine it as like, if you imagined like this raggedy bit of fabric just drifting downwards and almost like breaking off from itself, it's like that as, as like what is left of Winter's Yule kind of like drifts to the bottom of this tree. I don't think you're going to take any harm from here, but I think because you've taken a trauma, like the idea I like is that Oaken is caught up in like this descent. Oh, yeah. So I'm falling too. Yeah. But I think because of the way this like, this is a weird spirit realm, I don't think you're going to take any harm from that. I just 
see like this falling thing being quite nice, like the two of you locked together. Yeah, yeah, that's a great image. Yeah. And we do get a complication. I think this is related to the goal and Winter's Lodge. I think we cut back to the other side, to the roots, where Micaiah Stave and some of the Death's Defiant are like working their way through these roots and branches and the rhizome of this thing, trying to get to the center. And you can't really see much between like this thicket and this thing is that thing of like you just occasionally hear a scream and then one of the Death's Defiant is gone. And then there's another scream and another Death's Defiant is gone. And Micaiah is left on his own. I think Micaiah like picks his way forward to the knot of the tree. And he's the only one that has made it this far. And like when he reaches the center, I think he lifts off his hat, pulls a thin strand from atop his head, like his hair, almost like unrolls it in the same way that you'd unroll a piece of string and like places it onto the goal, like tying it into one of the central knots. And I think the moment that he does, the entire goal buckles. And we just see him launch backwards through the air. His form just dissipates in this moment. And I think we cut again to outside, where in the same way that the entire goal and the roots and the tree buckle, like we see the Winter's Lodge buckle. And we see in a moment, the entire building seems to grow twice as large. And you can see bits of that like fleshy canopy and the roots bursting out above the surface. They hang above the Winter's Lodge. And they start to like sway and grow, almost as if building, starting to form a dome over the lodge and this part of the city. I think, Nia, this entire time, all of your alarms are going off. Yeah, I imagine they would. You feel it first as like the alarm. You kind of buckle as like you feel it. And then as you lean out to like steady yourself on one of the walls, you feel like the entire stone almost like ripple. It's still stone, but it's rippling and it's weird. And you see, like, roots just, like, burst out of it. Good. That's all going to plan. Excellent. Altara looks at you and is like, what is happening? Well, I can tell you that Oaken definitely is there. And I'm not certain what the rest of this is, but we might want to hurry. Or run away. Your alarm was for the Death's Defiance. I think it's fairly obvious to you that it's probably them that's triggered it. Okay. Not that you need to share that with Altara, you know? No, I mean... No. Are they enemies? Are they not enemies? I don't know. Could be working for them, for all you know. Yeah. I think the Death's Defiant were, like, working for Lilium, which had some Nimshif stuff through, like, the Provenders, but I don't think they're, like, allies. I think it's more, like... In, in my behind the scenes, I think the Nimshifts were probably funding the Provenders just as a way of hedging bets. Yeah. Does Altara look surprised? Yep. Okay. Like, Altara is obviously trying to keep the Iron in control of this face, but Altara is shaken. And she looks at you and is like, take me there now. Do you lead her on? Yeah, I, I lead her on. I imagine the way will be different now. Like, the lodge was always shifting and changing before. It's shifting and changing faster <laughs> now. Uh-huh. So, but I imagine, like, the screaming, the the alarm will help me get get there. Yeah. I think you'll probably end up getting there, but I'd like to have a roll. Yes. That seems wise. I'm curious what you'd like to roll with here. A tune, probably? 
to understand what's going on and be able to find my way through unless it's something more like survey but either of those i think work for me my my plan is to get th through there using the connection that my spirit has to the various wards yeah okay i think this is a controlled standard cool 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 i'm not gonna push myself for anything okay it's a five okay so on a five you hesitate withdraw or try a different approach or else do it with a minor consequence you're probably in the front because you're leading everyone here and i think there's like this very direct way the the, the way that you're you're kind of being led and that like you can feel through the alarms leads you into a space where like you start to turn a corner and then you look down a corridor that is the way you want to go and you can see that there are a group of people there maybe there are like four or five of them um i think from the way they're dressed you recognize them as people from the winter's lodge I think you recognize everyone eaves in the middle of them. No. You can keep going this way, or you can, like, double back and convince Altara you've gone the wrong way. I don't think there's any flashback in the world that could uh, get everyone eaves on, on side with this plan. Nope. I'm not going to go that way. I'd okay. rather I'd rather annoy Altara some more and suffer something else versus go down that path. So, so what does Nia say? Or do, I guess. Well, what's the, what's the physical uh, surroundings right now? What kind of space are we in? I think you're in, like, just a load of corridors. And I think this bit has almost felt like this proliferation of, like, weird small little rooms and then, like, corridors that kind of twist around them. And I think all the while you're leading through this place, it's almost as if, like, the entire thing is straining and groaning. Like, if you imagine if you're inside a tree and you sped up, like, the sounds it made as its trunk expanded over time. Yeah. It's like trees in the wind. And there are roots, like, kind of pushing through the walls. Because, like, I wonder if I can use the blinding light thing. Like, if there's, like, a couple of different directions, if we can go down a different path mm. and i can kind of put a blinding light between everon and the and the weavers and us so that people can't really see that direction <laughs> and we just kind of quickly move on in a really like in a way that's gonna be really difficult to get back to the gall but yeah hopefully you know isn't obvious that i'm trying to hide something while i make a big glowy flashy light happen yeah I, I mean, and I, I could also pitch you, like, the other option would be trying to, like, manipulate the lodge to move, since it's a place that moves. Okay. That could be pretty cool. We'll see if that goes well or not. Yeah. H how do I do that? Yeah, uh, it, it'll be a roll, I guess. Um, I imagine it might be using your, like, spirit ward's ability, which is, like, reshape spirit into web and ward to take one stress plus one stress for each extra feature. It's like, the extra feature might just be visible. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds good. And then, yeah, you just need like an attune roll to see whether it works or any other roll. Well, I put another point in wreck, which I thought might okay. be an interesting thing. Like it's it's kind of more of a instead of attuning to things and doing it very nicely, <laughs> it's more just like yank. So I might want to. I'm 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 thinking I might lean on that a bit more. Uh, mm. Of this is no longer like. 
careful weaving or attempted careful weaving and more just like, let's, let's just pull this whole thing and see what happens. We don't have time. Yeah. Nia isn't learning how to manipulate spirit. Nia is just, I want this. Make it, make yep. it so. <laughs> exactly. I want a wall yep. here. You're going to have a wall here. Love it. All right. So that's two stress. And what's the role stuff? Uh, this is still controlled standard, I think. That's a five. Okay. Um, so yeah, same again. You hesitate, which will try a different approach, or else do it with a minor consequence. Um, yes, it, I think as you're doing it, you can start to feel... It's weird. I think... Have we, have we seen you do much stuff with the goal or like the Winter's Lodge's spirit before? Not really. Like, I've put yeah. stuff around it, but it's not really been working with the spirit of the lodge. I don't think mm. Nia's done much that has opened Sem up in any way to like a remnant or an on envoy or anything. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just that, like, it's just loud and big and vast and it's like you're suddenly your your body's still acting like as Nia, but like it's like you're suddenly just falling into this vast thing that you have no understanding of and you're like grasping at things and trying to pull things into place and it's scary and terrifying um and it's up to you like you can back away from that and like be like that's not the the approach i'm gonna do or you can try and do this thing anyway anyway um, he didn't even want to hear the complication i guess i could hear the complication but yeah um <laughs> maybe Nia starts to unravel, yes. but just like the tiniest thread. I don't think this is harm or anything, but I think you just feel something. It's as if you took like a big bundle of string and imagine like this big bundle of string is near and you pull it tight and like there, there are thousands of thread in there and you pull it tight and you snap one of those. That's sort of what happens here. That's what that feels like. And Nia just senses it. Yeah, let's do it. That's the consequence. That sounds, that sounds ideal. Yeah, cool. You just feel like some, like the tiniest part of yourself snap, and you feel like this sense of dread, and then you, it's almost as if like the entire wall rotates downwards and like crashes downwards, and like as you go past, it's just not there. I think you, people look at it, but like they continue on. Like the path you're going to take them down has just shifted, and they kind of just accept that as part of like the shifting lodge, um, and you lead them on towards where the goal is and where Oaken is. I I think. Ezra and Ivar. I think the fighting's still intense. Um, I think there are still like machines scattered through like this fight as the soldiers push, and I think it's like a very slow but grinding loss at the minute as like they push forward and you fight them, but like you're ultimately pushed back from each barricade. What are you doing here? A part of me wants to say we're almost sort of letting them push us back from barricades because we know this area really mm. well. And maybe there's, like, a way to give up ground to them to the point where they end up sort of trapped in a very boxed-in courtyard with, you know, lots of tall buildings with loads of windows around it, and then it's uh, up to the inhabitants of those buildings what they do with the soldiers. Yeah, yeah. like, I think we, we both spoke a bit about this, of, like, learning about, like, how barricades worked in, like, a lot of the revolutionary French stuff in, like, 1830s and 1848 was, like, usually the plan, right? 
Yeah, so I think we're like some of the barricades we're losing strategically. Some of them are just sort of being moved when the soldiers aren't there, and it's kind of a slow corral to get these troops who aren't familiar with this area at all, sort of where we actually want them to be. Mm. Which I imagine um, is happening quite a lot under the direction of OG Ivar. Yeah, it's like corralling them almost, like you're guiding them into the waiting arms of more of our reinforcements. Or or even just more machines. Yeah. Is Ivar giving, like, orders here? Ivar isn't giving orders, he's controlling all the the mechs. Because he can, he can see from yeah. above, right, yeah. where everyone is. But also I think that Ivar does have some sort of connection to all the other Ivars. Mm. <laughs> just machines trying to communicate with the revolutionaries, like, dig. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, like, the machines themselves are connected to Ivar Ivar, so we have this kind of sense of where we need to go and what's mm. happening. But, like, Ivar Ivar also giving messages to Topaz, who's ferrying them to, like, Brahalfret and the Likelihood Lads and so on and yeah. so forth. No, I like that. Being like, okay, let them take this street, not that one. Let them take this one, not that one. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, should we make a roll to see how well that goes? Yes, I will take as much stress as you want me to for this to go well, <laughs> Ivar. What would we say this was? Mm, like, it's up to you. It could be a survey. Survey a location to understand what's going on, sense trouble for what happens, gather information about opportunities or exploits. I could also see an argument for command, depending. Like, what, whether you want to focus on, like, Ivar gathering information or, like, Ivar paying attention and planning stuff. I feel like command is a good one. Yeah. Because it's... Kind of like we're telling all of the people what to do and also trying to make sure all the machines are going where we want them to go. Plus, I have a move that gives us plus one D to command if we want. Do it. I think that would work. Yeah. Command is probably what it is, right? Okay. Um, what gives you an extra dice to command? I'm just treating Ezra and Ivar as one character at the minute. Yeah, we're one character currently. Um, I have knock some sense, which is when you command someone to do what's in their best interest or refrain from foolishness, gain plus one D to your role, which I think is like convincing the revolutionaries and this might be a flashback rather than it's happening now yeah but the point at which we said we are not going to fight them and we're not going to hold every barricade you are gonna let them in and we're going to do it sensibly just branch sat in front of you like but where's the fun in that we've got to got to show him you know like when you're in a fight i know you haven't been in many fights ezra I got shot literally less than four hours ago. Getting shot is not the same as a street fight. Me and... I just liberated a prison. Not the same as a street fight. There was a straight-out brawl. There were 400 people plus there. I'm not you, having this. You've got Look, to square up. You can square up however you want, theatrically as you desire, but you're going to do as you're told, and you're going to let them get to where we need them to be, and then you can do as you want, but get them there first. But I... <sighs> But squaring up theatrically is... I have been is... shot several times. I haven't slept in over 24 hours. I have built more machines than the rest of my entire career. I am not in the mood to have this conversation with you right now. Fleece puts their hand on, like, Branch's shoulder and Branch just, just backs off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you get plus one D to your roll. And you obviously get any, like, uh, help or pushing or anything like that. Devil's bargains. Uh, you know what, I I could give my last point of stress for this. I mean, I can push ourselves if you want and take take the two. Alright. Let's push ourselves. Well, I, I actually only have one stress left, so I can't push myself, I don't think. 
Yeah, I'll I'll do it. I'm gonna try and yeah. make a machine with no face try and make a threatening look at Branch. <laughs> uh, so what is this risky controlled? Let's say risky, like risky standard. And plus two dice. Yeah, sounds like it. At. Yeah, you could use one for effect, but dice might be good as well. I think dice is good yeah. in this situation. It's not good. What did you roll? It's a three. Oh no. Uh, things go badly. You suffer harm. A complication occurs. You end up in a desperate position. You lose this opportunity. I think what it is, I think it goes well. I think you managed to corral these advancing Nimshiv soldiers into this square. And I think it's where this tall block of buildings that the Likelihood lads and like other people make their shops and businesses and homes. And there's probably like an opening between that. And I think you managed to corral them into that space and like the street alongside. And like there are people in the windows, um, ghosts and business owners and people who live here with makeshift weapons and anything they could scrounge stood around. And you can see the Nimshift forces who have come here like looking around in nervousness as they realise that they might have fallen into a trap. There's a barricade above them, but it's been built so high that it meets the wall and it's just like completely blocked them off. And I think, how is the barricade being built behind them? Are the machines helping in this? Is it just people? I think it's just people. I'm probably quite ramshackle, right? And I imagine there's just like ladders and real terrible scaffolding, mm. like all that behind it. Yeah, just stuff being thrown really quickly from the buildings. Yeah, people tearing up like concrete floors as well. Maybe one or two of the machines just like struggling on their last remaining limbs to flop down on yeah. the floor. We still got quite a lot of them left, luckily. I do like the image of like the dead ones just collapsing into the wall, though. That's good. But yeah, like they sort of realize what has happened here. I think there's a general push as like some of them start to turn back to push out that way. Others try and like start to claw down the barricade in front of them. And there's this moment where you sense maybe you've done this. Maybe you've done this all right and it's all going to go okay. There are the two of you in one of these machines pushing it forward. You see like some of the Nimshift soldiers ahead of you cowering back away. This feels like everything is going to plan and I think you can feel each other's mood shift as you feel like you're slowly, maybe, kind of in control of the situation. But then another form appears from behind the Nimshiv soldiers, and you see the clothes and the robes, like the patterned robes of one of the Pale Lanterns. I don't think you hear it, because... I think we're, we're talking about vision and spirit here, but you see the flickering of one of these lanterns. And then you just feel this bright burning as the light falls on this machine and the spirit there is just burnt away. The lanterns start to ignite. 